Chapter 2. Taking Care of Yourself and Your Family As Carmen and Roberto scrambled to put together the best intervention plan for Teresa, their three-year-old with autism, several weeks flew by in a flurry of phone calls and appointments. Luckily, Carmen worked the afternoon shift, 3 to 11 p.m., so she was home during the morning and could make phone calls. All the focus was now on Teresa. Roberto worked the early shift, 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. The parents saw little of each other, except on the weekends. When they had any time together, Carmen tried to tell her husband what was happening with Teresa. All the appointments, all the new people, the advice others were giving her about how to handle Teresa's tantrums and how to help her communicate. It seemed as if Teresa was all they were talking about now, and Roberto felt distant from it. He wished this would all pass, like a bad dream, and life would go back to when he had a happy wife, a close marriage, and a life that was smooth and easy. He worried about his ability to take care of his wife, son, and daughter in the face of this new, unknown, and scary future. Carmen was living this new life every waking moment. There was little time to talk about anything else, even five-year-old Justino, who had just started school. Carmen soon started to have trouble sleeping. She lay in bed worrying about Teresa. Would the intervention program they had found really help her? Would their health insurance cover the expenses? Would she need to quit her job to focus on Teresa and Justino? How could they afford that? Her mind was swimming with questions and worries, and her eyes filled with tears. She looked over at Roberto and felt far away from him. He had become quieter and quieter. They rarely laughed and had fun together anymore. He was staying late at work more often. She couldn't blame him for wanting to avoid the challenges they were facing, but she needed him more now than ever. And what about Justino? He went to kindergarten in the morning, and Grandma picked him up afterward, since Teresa had therapy until noon, far away from Justino's school. Grandma brought him home at 1 p.m. and stayed with the children until Roberto arrived home at 3 p.m. or so. Carmen felt as if she hardly saw Justino anymore, except to send him off in the morning. She pulled the covers over her head and buried her face in the pillow. She wished she had someone to talk to about all this, but it was difficult to talk to her family and friends. They told her that she was overreacting, that the doctors were wrong, that she was spending too much time with Teresa. No one knew what she was going through. She needed advice from her mother, help from her family, and love from her husband. She needed all the energy she could muster. For the first time, she was going to have to draw a lot more people into her family circle. Would she be able to help find people who understood what they were going through? People who could help Teresa and even give them a break now and then? Adjusting to caring for a child with ASD. The feelings that Carmen and Roberto were experiencing are the feelings of many parents who are adjusting to having a child with ASD. Research has shown what families of children with ASD have been telling us for years. Caring for a child with ASD can be very stressful. But many parents have also told us that it can be rewarding and fulfilling. Not in the first few worried, hectic months, perhaps, but after that, as new routines get set, as children start to progress, and as the future becomes brighter. During the first several months, or even years, after learning that your child has ASD, it is tempting to put aside your own needs and those of other family members while you focus on your child with ASD. It is, however, very important to take some time to consider the needs of your whole family, including yourself. It's tempting to put yourself at the bottom of the priority list. Don't do it. Taking care of yourself is the only way you'll be able to take care of everyone else. Therefore, it's important that you frequently take stock of how you are doing 
and take steps to ensure that you are healthy, both physically and mentally. The prospect of taking care of yourself, your spouse or partner, and your other children may seem overwhelming when you feel that you're devoting every minute of the day to your child with ASD. We won't pretend it will be easy, but our experiences with numerous parents who have faced the same challenges have taught us some tips for adjusting to having a child with ASD. In every way we can, we try in this chapter to describe some strategies that may make it a little easier to handle all that's on your plate. From the daily management hassles, to the tough balancing act of staying close as a family, to finding some of the rewards and fulfillment that lie along this new path you are taking. Taking care of your family. Everyone in your family will be affected by the new path that ASD has carved out for you. But the impact does not have to be negative, especially after you've gotten through the initial adjustment period. For most parents, especially during that adjustment period, the biggest impediment to maintaining healthy relationships and keeping the family strong and united seems to be time. Time to spend with each other and time to communicate. Of course, finding the same amount of time for your other family members now that you're trying to help a child with ASD is challenging. Fortunately, parents who have been through it have shared ideas that can help. Fostering your marital relationship. Does the challenge of raising a child with ASD have a negative effect on marriage, above and beyond the effects of having a child without special needs? Not necessarily. In fact, research based on hundreds of families of children with ASD from early childhood until young adulthood showed that there was no difference in divorce rates of couples with and without a child with ASD. As the children reached late adolescence and adulthood, couples of children with ASD were somewhat more likely to divorce, but it is unclear why this was the case. The added pressures of taking care of a child with ASD often result in less time for your primary, marital or long-term, relationship, time that has already been reduced by the needs of young children. You may feel as if you have no choice here. The needs of your child with ASD may have to come first right now, but if you leave your partner on the sidelines, you're denying yourself a critical member of your social support network. Additionally, managing this huge new challenge outside of the partnership can start to distance the two of you at one of the most significant points in your relationship. A few guidelines are particularly important to follow at this early stage after your child's diagnosis. Communicate. Talk to each other. Because you are so caught up in the issues involving your young child with ASD, it is hard to think about or talk about anything else. Roberto felt as if Carmen was living the new life that had been thrust upon them and had completely left the old one. He himself felt caught between two lives. The old one was gone, and a new one, seemingly much less satisfying, was on the horizon, unknown, stressful, and scary. While Carmen was living it, he was only hearing about it, and not much else from his wife. For Carmen, this is all she could think about. She wanted to share it with her husband, but he didn't seem very interested. It made her angry that he was not joining her in all the decision-making and stress she now faced, and she felt distant from him in a new way. It's important to share other parts of your lives in your communications. When you see each other after your separate daily routines, make a point of asking about the other things that matter to each of you. How was work today? What do you think we could do for fun this weekend? Do you still have a cold? Did you talk to your mother on the phone today? What's new with her? Really listen and try to join your partner in his or her life when you talk. Try hard to spend just a few minutes each day together, focused on each other, before launching into the subject of the children. Listen. 
When your partner is talking, listen quietly. Don't interrupt or judge. Try restating what your partner has said to make sure you've understood his or her perspective and feelings. For example, if your partner tells you about a problem he or she experienced that day, refrain from criticizing and telling your partner what to do. Instead, it's more helpful to restate the highlights of your partner's message and offer support, saying something like this. It sounds like you had a really rough day. You sound tired and upset. How can I help? It's very common for parents to have disagreements about their child with ASD. They may have different opinions about the diagnosis, what type of intervention to use, discipline, and expectations. For these kinds of disagreements, the first step is choosing a good time to talk them through so you can really hear what your partner is thinking. The second step is really listening to the other's point of view and taking it seriously, rather than thinking that your partner doesn't know or understand. For example, if your partner makes a suggestion about a new treatment that you disagree with, try to respond by eliciting more about why your partner thinks it's a good idea, rather than dismissing the idea or criticizing your partner. Listen closely to hear each other's reasoning and search for a midpoint or convergence between your two views, or another solution that works for both of you. If coming to a decision requires information about your child that one or both of you need, See if you can find a time to sit down together with your service coordinator or a team member to ask questions and gather the information you need. If you are having trouble hearing each other or finding a common ground, see if you can meet with a psychologist or social worker on your child's team to come to a more shared point of view. But before you seek others' help, try hard to hear each other out openly and respectfully. Helpful tip, avoid placing blame at all costs. It's human nature to try to find someone to blame for your child's diagnosis, for the dreams that you may feel have been dashed, for the sadness you feel right after a diagnosis. But there is no blame. No one caused this. There's nothing anyone could have done to prevent this. You and your family are the solution, not the problem. Blaming yourself is destructive and unproductive. Blaming your partner will undermine his or her self-confidence, weaken your shared trust, and lead to feelings of estrangement. You need each other more than ever now. Your partner can be the most helpful person of all in this new challenge. When you start to feel blame or guilt, recognize the feelings and remind yourself that no one is to blame for autism. Show your partner that you care. Showing acceptance of and empathy for your partner's feelings and expressing interest in what's going on in his or her life are important ways to show that you care. Dr. John Gottman, a renowned marriage expert, stresses the importance of the small day-to-day interactions that we have with our partners. These everyday exchanges are the foundation on which strong marital relationships are built. See if you can find some way to do or say things that are thoughtful, caring, and supportive daily. Dr. Gottman's research has shown that these ordinary but loving gestures act as deposits in your emotional bank account. Having a full emotional bank account can help each of you now during this ongoing stress and when inevitable conflicts arise. You have something to draw upon. Take what you need and deposit as much as you can. Helpful tip. If you need reminders of how to communicate in positive ways and show your partner you care in the midst of the stress of this new path, try a simple device we'll be offering at the end of each chapter in part two, chapters four through 13. That is, write reminders to yourself to help you remember the importance of nurturing your relationship in these hard times. Write whatever reminders are particularly helpful for you, whether it's, don't say, you always, 
or remember to tell her I love you before hanging up the phone, or remember to greet him when he first gets home, no matter what. We call these reminders refrigerator lists, but you can post them wherever you'll see them regularly. On your phone, in a drawer you open every morning to get dressed, in your closet near your clothes, or any other place that works for you. Keep your sense of humor. Marriage experts have long recognized the benefits of maintaining a healthy sense of humor. Laughter reduces stress, feels good, and increases a sense of intimacy. Especially during an argument, humor, as long as it doesn't attack or put the other person down, can relieve tension and lighten the situation. As silly as it might sound, even watching funny movies together helps bring people together and relieve stress. Seek out ways to laugh. Consider a Friday family comedy night when you take turns picking out a comedy film to watch together. Make time for your relationship. Is making time for your relationship easier said than done? Definitely, but it's not impossible. Try to carve out some regular time that is devoted specifically to being one, together with your partner, two, free of the distractions of children, and three, enjoyable for you both. Spending just a few minutes each day involved with each other can really help connect you after a tough day and open you to hearing about each other's lives, both the joys and the sorrows, in a caring, non-judgmental, and honest way. When friends or family members ask what they can do to help, ask them to come over to give you a little couple time, or ask if you can drop the children over for a little while with them. Making time for your relationship involves finding help with the kids that you trust. If there's no one to help, ask your service coordinator or a team member for ideas. In some places, respite care is available for children with ASD, and there are a number of resources you can turn to. We describe these next. Use respite care. Respite care is a term for babysitting or other short-term care provided to an individual with a developmental disability or other chronic medical condition so that the family members can get some time away from the daily routines of caring for the individual. Respite care can be very helpful in relieving stress and providing an opportunity to take a break and spend time by yourself or with your partner or with other family members. It's a time to recharge your batteries, relax, and take care of yourself and the rest of your family. You can find a respite care provider through the National Respite Network and Resource Center, see www.archrespite.org. The website offers a national respite locator service that will help you locate respite care providers in your state. Services are provided by trained, sometimes licensed, employees of these agencies. Many programs are provided by local organizations such as churches, school, and other nonprofit organizations. Respite care can be provided in or out of the home. Respite, respite care programs often offer training for friends and family members in how to care for a child with ASD, so you can call upon a friend or relative to care for your child. In addition to respite care, there are resources to turn to for the occasional night out. Ask people at the local autism association or parent group for references. Ask other parents that you meet about child care. Many parents have experienced skilled people working with their child with ASD who might provide babysitting for you. If you have no other leads, call a college near you. Ask for the psychology, 
social work, or child development department, and ask if there are students who would be willing to babysit for a child with ASD. Have a prospective sitter come over to play and meet your child ahead of time. See how the student interacts with your child. Ask for references. Then slowly let the student provide some care while you and your partner get some time together. Leaving your young child with ASD with someone else for a little bit is not neglecting your role as a parent. It provides something positive for your child. First, it gives your son or daughter a refreshed parent. Second, it provides benefits of its own. It is quite important that all children learn to accept care from other adults. It helps them learn that the world is a place to be trusted. It helps them get ready for preschool. It is a growing experience for children and for parents, and it is a superb learning experience for the students involved. Two of us got into this field through babysitting experiences we had as teenagers. Help others learn about ASD by sharing your child with them. What about your other children? Carmen was losing a lot of sleep worrying about whether she was neglecting her other child, Justino, and she missed the time they used to have together before Teresa was born, just the two of them. She had so much fun playing with Justino. He made parenting so rewarding. Now everything she had to give, all her energy and all her time, seemed to go to Teresa. She missed time with Justino, and he was talking about missing time with her. She didn't want him to suffer because of his sister's diagnosis. Brothers and sisters of children with ASD have special needs. Being sensitive to those needs will help all your children make a positive adjustment. Many studies here have documented the concerns of brothers and sisters of children with ASD. Often they feel a sense of loss and loneliness when their parents' attention is consumed by their sibling with ASD. They may also experience feelings of resentment toward their sibling with ASD, and older children will feel guilty about feeling resentful. Schedule time to spend exclusively with each of your other children. It helps a sibling to spend some alone time with parents. This special time can be as simple as going to the store, washing the car, having a bath, or reading a book together. Use the time to listen to this child, to hear about friends, school, interests, problems, feelings. Let the sibling know how special he is to you and how much you enjoy time with him. Also, let him know that you know the child with ASD takes a lot of your time and attention and that the sibling can tell you if he needs some time with you. Younger siblings may not be able to ask for time and attention, but they express it through their behavior or misbehavior, crying, clinging, developing fears, or misbehaving to get attention. The important thing during these times is for a sibling to feel that this is his special time when your attention is focused on him. Teach skills that will help siblings interact in pleasurable ways with their sibling with ASD. Siblings may feel bad or rejected and unloved when their sibling with ASD won't play with them. Fortunately, research has shown that siblings can be taught skills that will help their relationship with the child with ASD. This can be helpful for all of the children. Help each sibling understand that ASD makes it very hard for children to learn to play and that the sibling with ASD does not know how to play now, but that over time the child will learn. Teach siblings how to give simple instructions that their sibling will follow, how to engage in simple games, and how to reward the child with ASD for appropriate play. Be sure to help the child with ASD follow through. These simple interactions help promote a bond and social relationship between siblings. Parallel play activities, where the siblings are all playing with similar materials, at the kitchen table with art materials or puzzles or snacks should be encouraged. 
be sure to include activities such as swinging outside on swings, playing chase, or watching a DVD together. These activities don't require the child with ASD to share or to engage in complex back-and-forth interactions. Talk about it. Studies have shown that siblings benefit from talking openly and frequently about a child's ASD. A sibling may not understand why the child with ASD does not play or talk with her. When you explain what ASD is and how it affects social and language development and other behavior, the sibling will be less likely to interpret the child's behavior as dislike. As the sibling gets older, her understanding and perspective will become more like yours, with more and more questions and worries, so it is important to have an open line of communication about ASD with your children. Use words and concepts that your children can understand. Provide simple explanations and phrases that a sibling can use to explain ASD to her friends so she has ways to deal with other people over the ASD-related differences that take the sting out of teasing or questions. Model this by letting the sibling hear you explain ASD to others. Explaining ASD to a sibling will take different forms depending on the age of the sibling. A preschool-age child won't be able to understand what ASD is, but will notice that a sibling is behaving differently. Elementary school-age children are likely to be very aware that their sibling is different and to be embarrassed about their sibling's behavior around friends. Talking openly about these differences with your children from the time they are little will enable them to voice their feelings instead of being ashamed of them. If a sibling doesn't want to have friends come over, ask about it. See if there are ways you can help the sibling be more comfortable. Siblings may also worry that ASD is contagious or that they too may develop ASD. Siblings may feel guilty about their negative feelings towards the child with autism. They can even feel guilty that they don't have autism. Some wonder if they somehow caused their siblings ASD. Talk openly with your child about these fears and worries so you can provide facts and reassure your child. You will probably have these conversations many times because it is unlikely that your child will understand everything that you say the first time you explain it. Different questions and concerns will arise over time. Make ASD an open subject in your household. If your child never asks about ASD, it's most likely because it seems to be an unacceptable topic. Bring it up yourself. The sooner the better, and the more frequently the better. Ask your child what scares him about his sibling's ASD, what worries him, what makes him angry, what he thinks about, and how it affects his life. Some siblings feel they must try to be perfect to make up for the child with ASD. They may feel pressure to achieve in academic or sports activities. The pressure may come from inside them, or it might be coming from you. Have your expectations increased for your other children because they do not have a disability? Not having autism does not make them super children. Help your child voice these feelings and listen quietly, as you do with your partner. Acknowledge and restate the feelings rather than rejecting them, interrupting them, or denying them. Some of them will be hard to hear, so be prepared. Your child may have some painful observations about you, about your absorption in the child with ASD, about the lack of family time, about your increased expectations for your child for greater maturity, responsibility, child care, household care, or emotional support. Listen. Take it in. Try hard not to deny, not to become defensive, and not to get angry. Listen to what your child is saying. Provide the information your child is asking for correct any misconceptions, and reassure your child of your love, 
your acceptance of the child's feelings, and your appreciation for the child's honesty and trust in you. If your child's behavior has changed significantly, acting out, not seeming like herself for a long period, withdrawing from activities and relationships, if your efforts to talk to your child or provide more support are not helping, and if your child's functioning at school, at home, or with friends is suffering, talk to your child's doctor. Signs that a sibling may be having difficulty include needing to be perfect, eating too little or too much, frequent complaints of headaches or stomach aches, loss of interest in everyday activities, frequent crying or worrying, withdrawing from social activities, increased aggression, new problems at school, signs of anxiety or depression. Take advantage of books and other resources specifically for siblings. Increasingly, the special needs of siblings of children with ASD and other developmental disabilities are being recognized. Numerous books written about and by siblings, including those with ASD, are available. We've listed some of these at the back of the book. See the further reading list in the resources. Also, look for special programs, websites, and workshops for siblings of children with ASD. These programs offer siblings an opportunity to talk with other children who have a sibling with ASD, and especially to share their feelings and concerns with other children who understand the challenges and rewards of having a sibling with ASD. The Sibling Support Project is a national program dedicated to the brothers and sisters of people who have developmental disabilities and other special needs. The project's website offers information about workshops, conferences, application, publications, and opportunities for siblings to connect with one another. Autism Speaks also lists resources for siblings in the Family Services section. Studies have shown that being a sibling of a child with ASD can have benefits. Siblings often grow up to be people who have insight, empathy, and compassion, are mature, accepting, and self-sufficient, and are loyal toward their siblings with ASD and their families. Dealing with your extended family. Help or hindrance. Extended family members can be among the greatest part of a support system for a family with a newly diagnosed child with autism, and they can also be one of the biggest challenges for young parents. If both you and your partner's families are there for you, supporting your concerns, aware of the evaluation process, sharing all the emotions that occur after diagnosis, providing comfort and reassurance, then rejoice. They are a strong part of your support system and will help immediately in the adjustment process. Provide them with all the information that they want and you have. Let them help you. Let them care for your child. Let them join you in appointments, meetings, evaluations, as you and they wish. The more the extended family shares the challenges of autism, provides ongoing love, support, and encouragement for you, and appropriate optimism for your child, the better the adjustment process goes. However, Extended family members go through all the same emotional processes that parents do. They may not want to see the problems your child has and may deny your observations. They may tell you that you're worrying too much, you expect too much, boys don't talk until later, an uncle didn't talk until age five, or you're spoiling your child and doing too much for him. This makes it harder for you to move ahead, and young parents sometimes move away emotionally from their families during this period to get through it. If this is happening to you, there are several things you can do. First of all, trust yourself and your partner. You live with your child every day. You are not crazy, you love your child, and your worries are real. Proceed as we have suggested, by calling your doctor. 
Don't feel guilty about distancing yourself a little from your family members if you need to to get through this. Tell them as much as you can about each step in the process so they know what is going on, but make the decisions you know in your heart are right for you and your family and child. Second, turn to other people in your support system. Talk to friends and others who are sharing your concern and providing you with emotional support. Lean on them right now so you don't feel alone. You need support to get through this period, and the more support a young couple has, the easier the process can be. Third, ask others who are part of the process to talk to members of your extended family. Your service coordinator, a parent from the Autism Advocacy Group, one of your child's therapists or evaluators, or your child's doctor may be very willing to have a family meeting and answer members' questions. It is much easier to have another person providing the information than to do it alone when your family is not ready for the diagnosis. Take others up on their offers for help. Finally, continue as you need to for your partner and your children. Keep your extended family members aware of what is happening. You might provide them with copies of reports that people give to you, treatment plans, home programs. If they sometimes take care of your child, show them how to implement basic treatment routines that help your child. At some point, your family will come around to accepting the diagnosis and supporting you. However, family members all have their own timetables of acceptance and have to move at their own pace. Families come around and seeing a child they love making progress is a big part of what brings them around. Occasionally, some family member will not adjust to your child's special needs and may even undermine what you are trying to do. If this happens, it's okay to limit the time your child spends with this person until he or she comes around. Taking care of yourself. Now it's time to talk about you. No time to take care of yourself now that you're devoted to helping your child with ASD? Ask yourself this. If you are tired, preoccupied, and stressed, how can you optimally care for your child and the rest of your family? Even though you may feel like your needs come last, they can't, or all will suffer. Your needs are as important as your children's and your partner's, and you need to monitor and care for yourself, your physical well-being, and your emotional well-being daily, just as you monitor and care for everyone else so that you can continue to do so. Physical health. We don't have to tell you what you've heard a thousand times before. Physical and emotional health are built upon adequate nutrition, sleep, and exercise. And these are even more important when you are faced with stresses, such as learning that you have a child with ASD. When you're caught up in caring for a child with autism, it's easy to make these fundamental healthy behaviors a low priority. It's easy to forget to eat until going through a fast food drive through seems like your only option. It's easy to pretend you can maintain your energy on five or six hours of sleep at night. And it's easy to forget how good you used to feel after a walk, bike ride, or trip to the gym. So let's review the fundamentals. You know the importance of good nutrition whole grains, lots of fruits and vegetables, low-fat milk products, lean meats, poultry and fish, as well as nuts, seeds, and beans for protecting you from illness, maximizing energy, and enhancing your mental capacities. How can you manage that for you and your family when fast food, soda, and snack foods are quick when time is short? Try these ideas. Buy and put fresh fruit and ready-to-eat vegetables out on a table or counter to help you and your family learn to turn to fruit instead of rooting around in a cabinet for high-calorie snacks. Substituting fruit and veggies for some of the snacks and cookies doesn't cost any more. Try to eat home-cooked meals. 
not necessarily cooked by you, as often as you can. Try to find a weekly time to cook. And when you do, make a big stew or soup or a big platter of grilled chicken to go in your fridge so you can use it for dinners for a few days. Buy salad ingredients and veggies that are already washed, cut, and ready to use. It may seem more expensive, but you will eat more veggies and end up with less waste. The most expensive food is the food that gets thrown out. When others ask what they can do to help, ask them to make and freeze a healthy dinner for your family. It will make them feel better to be able to contribute, and it will help you with a big and important task, feeding yourself and your family well. Are you uncomfortable accepting or seeking help from others? Ask for a cooked meal is a good way for you to get used to accepting the help that is offered to you and identifying the sources of support among the people outside your immediate family that you're going to need. Sleep can feel like a rarer commodity than ever if you're occupied with your child all day and then kept awake by worries at night. Here are a few ideas for better sleep that you probably already know but might need help remembering. Consider your bedtime sacred. Go to bed at a reasonable hour even if you feel that your to-do list is endless. Help yourself ease into sleep with things that make you sleepy, not stressed. Don't watch the news in bed. Use your computer or phone right before retiring or try to plan tomorrow's agenda in your head while you lie there. Take a hot bath or shower, read something innocuous, listen to relaxing music, or imagine the most restful moments of your life as you ease yourself into sleep. If you're suffering from insomnia, don't wait for weeks to see if it will pass. Talk to your doctor soon. There's much he or she can do to help. If your children are sleeping with you and you wish they were not, move them into their own beds. If you need help with this, consult your pediatrician or your child's team. There are also excellent books for parents on helping their children sleep independently and through the night. There are excellent self-help books available to you on improving adult sleep. Consider your own nutrition sleep, and exercise as part of the treatment for a family with ASD, rather than a luxury for you that you can't afford right now. Not convinced? Check out the list of benefits in the sidebar on the next page. Getting 20 to 30 minutes of exercise a day can improve your heart, your lungs, your sleep, and your mood. Here are some exercise opportunities that can work for parents with young children at home. Regular walks around the neighborhood with your child in a stroller. Regular trips to the park with two adults, one watching the children and the other getting in a good walk, then switching. Trading off times and days with your spouse to go for a walk or ride or to a gym or dance class. Trading childcare with friends so you can get an exercise time, maybe even as a couple. According to medical research, regular exercise can improve your mood, reduce stress, boost your confidence, prevent heart disease, increase your energy level, help manage your weight, promote better sleep. Research has shown that exercise can also ease depressive feelings and anxiety. One study showed that people reported feeling less tense and had improved energy after only a 10-minute brisk walk. Emotional health. Because you now have more responsibilities and challenges, paying attention to your emotional health is more important than ever. Emotional health has many facets. Giving yourself time to deal with the emotional impact of your child's diagnosis, cultivating your supports, spirituality, and problem solving. We touch on a few key points here. Dealing with grief, sadness, and anxiety. Even when you are doing all you can to cope with the challenges of raising a child with ASD, 
you're likely to find yourself feeling waves of grief and sadness, depression and anxiety. Grief. During the period after first learning that your child has ASD, or any other chronic medical condition for that matter, it is not uncommon to experience a period of grieving. All parents form an image of their imagined child, often even before birth. But part of the typical parenting process is gradually coming to know and love your children as they are, rather than as we imagined or hoped they would be. The athletic father who imagined playing baseball with his son comes to accept and appreciate the child's emerging preference for music, and the musical mother who dreamed of singing in the choir with her daughter learns to play basketball with her when she shows no interest in music. However, when parents find out that their children have a long-term medical condition, such as ASD, their imagined child is changed very suddenly. As with any other grieving process, it may take time to feel better. And even when the strong feelings of sadness subside over weeks or months, they may resurface temporarily, especially during events such as birthdays and holidays. Fortunately, these feelings don't subplant the love you feel for your living, breathing child. This is still the same child you loved and treasured before the diagnosis, with unknown potential in a future that has yet to unfold. Your child's learning, success, and happiness in life are as much in your hands as they are before the diagnosis. The future may look different than you had imagined it because your path is a new path, but there is still an unwritten future for your child. Depression and Anxiety Grief is a normal condition, and feelings of anger, sadness, depression, and low self-esteem are all part of the grief process. However, for some people, these feelings do not resolve but deepen into chronic depression. According to the National Institute of Mental Health, symptoms of depression can include difficulty concentrating, fatigue, feelings of guilt and hopelessness, insomnia or excessive sleeping, irritability, loss of interest in pleasurable activities, overeating or appetite loss, persistent aches and pains, chronic sadness, and suicidal thoughts. Temporary, mild to moderate depressive symptoms can feel debilitating for the short term while you are adjusting and you will need the help of friends and family as you go through these first few weeks or months after your child's diagnosis. If, however, you find that your feelings of sadness, irritability, or anxiety are so intense that you cannot cope with daily life, can't get out of bed, do the basics, care for your, the children, eat or sleep, stop crying, or have images of hurting yourself, tell your partner and your closest friends or family members, and call your doctor and let him or her know what you are experiencing. Your family doctor will be able to help you by providing medication and or a referral for counseling. These are very helpful for dealing with depressive and anxious feelings. Don't resist getting help. It is not a sign of weakness or being crazy. Everyone in your family needs you and you need to be able to use your own personal resource, resources to cope with your new path. Depression and anxiety can block you from using your own strengths and talents. If your chronic sadness or anxiety has lasted over six months, or if you had had thoughts of suicide at any point, we urge you to call your doctor and get help now. Parents of children with ASD are more likely than other parents to experience anxiety, perhaps because of the worries and the unknowns that come with parenting a child who has this diagnosis. Anxiety has several faces. It may include constant feelings of worry and fear, generalized anxiety. It may trigger repetitive, irrational, upsetting thoughts, obsessions. It may trigger repetitive actions linked to coping with irrational anxiety, compulsions, and it may take the form of panic attacks, which to some people feel like a heart attack. 
If you find that one or more of these symptoms is becoming part of your life, call your doctor. Anxiety disorders are very treatable with medication and behavioral strategies. Again, both anxiety and depression can prevent you from having the energy and creativity to do what is needed for yourself and your family. By voicing these feelings to your partner and others closest to you and getting help from your doctor, you will be much more able to help your child and family. Building a strong social support network. Decades of research have shown that one of the most helpful things you can do to combat stress is to build up a strong social network. Building and using a network of family and friends who genuinely care about you will buffer you from the negative effects of stress and give you people to turn to for help and support. Ironically, sometimes when a big challenge arises in our lives, we avoid turning toward our friends and family for support. We feel that others may not understand our problems, that they will be judgmental, that we are weak and should be able to take care of our problems by ourselves, or that we will become a burden on others. However, people who love you want to help you. It gives them an opportunity to show you that they love you. They will feel honored that you trust them enough to tell them about your feelings, fears, and problems, and to ask for their help. It is a gift to a loved one to confide in him or her and ask for help. Give close friends and family the gift of being included. Few things feel worse than to learn that a person you love dearly has gone through a difficult time and you did not know and did not help. Give those closest to you the opportunity to be a part of this new aspect of your life and your feelings. You will not feel so alone and they will cherish being included. Cultivate and nurture your circle of friends and family by staying in touch however it works best for you. Phone calls, emails, Facebook, or social gatherings. If you find that someone in your inner circle is adding to your stress by being negative, critical, or judgmental, or by refusing to accept the reality of the situation, avoid spending so much time with that person. Turn to the people who help you feel better by listening and really hearing you without denying or rationalizing, by boosting your confidence, by providing sound advice, by accepting you for who you are, by being trustworthy, and by encouraging you to engage in healthy behavior. Do you have a strong social support network? Here are some questions adapted from the RAND Corporation Medical Outcomes Social Support Survey that can help you assess your resources. For each question, consider whether this is true all or most of the time, true some of the time, or never true. Do you have someone you can count on to listen when you need to talk? Can you turn to someone to give you good advice in your current situation? Do you have someone to confide in or talk to about yourself and your problems? Do you have someone with whom you can share your worries and fears? Can you turn to someone who loves your, shows you love and affection? Do you have someone who hugs you? If the answer was yes, all or most of the time for many of these questions, then you have a strong social support network. If the answer indicates that you could use more support, keep reading. Parents of children with ASD often find it extremely helpful to talk to other parents of such children. Other parents who are more experienced can help mentor you and provide invaluable advice and information. Most US, state, U.S. states have an organization called Parent to Parent USA, which is a natural nonprofit organization that provides parent to parent support and training. Parent to Parent USA is committed to providing emotional and informational support to families of children who have special needs by matching each parent seeking support with an experienced, trained, support parent. Helpful tip. 
Building and relying on a network of family, friends, peers, and acquaintances who genuinely care about you will help buffer you from the negative effects of stress. If you don't currently have a strong support network or find it is difficult to turn to friends and family at this time, build up a social support network. Another way of finding a support group of parents who are in the same place you are is to visit the Autism Speaks website. Click on the resource guide section under Family Services. Then click on the state you live in on the map that is provided and you will find a list of community and support networks, including support groups in your area. Support groups for parents of children with ASD and other special needs are often sponsored by local schools, intervention programs, churches or other religious institutions, and medical institutions. These are often listed in the newspaper and on the web. Try a computer search with autism, parents, and the name of your city as keywords. Local parent groups are very likely to come up. If you can't find a support group close to where you live, you can also consider joining an online social network. Autism Speaks offers the Ning community, which hosts groups and discussion forums, as well as the ability for members to share information with one another within an active community of other parents of children with ASD. Another site sponsored by Autism Speaks is FriendFeed, which sponsors discussions and sharing of information about autism among parents and others concerned about ASD. To get information on both, click on the About Us tab on the Autism Speaks homepage and then on social networks. The bottom line is this. However you do it, cultivate and nurture a strong social network where you experience a sense of belonging, self-worth, and security, and where you can ask for and get help and support. Don't hesitate to lean on the people who care about you during your time of need. You, your family, and your child with ASD will reap the benefits both now and in the future. Helpful tip. The Autism Speaks website offers opportunities for forming a social network with other parents of children with ASD, including the Ning community and Friend Feed. Spirituality. Spirituality also improves emotional health and can help people cope with difficult circumstances. In fact, spirituality is now considered by many doctors to be an essential part of medical care. In 2001, it was reported that nearly 50 medical schools offer courses in spirituality and medicine to new doctors in training. Spiritual practice can take many forms, including attending religious services, praying, meditating, doing yoga, taking a nature walk, singing, reading inspirational books, and listening to music. Because spirituality has been found to improve physical and emotional health, we encourage you to take a moment to identify things or activities in your life that give your life meaning and that provide you with inner strength and comfort. Then consider including spiritual activities with your partner as a regular part of your new journey. In this chapter, we discuss some of the stresses and strains that come with parenting a child with special needs. We also want to emphasize that recent studies have shown that many families adjust quite well to having a child with special needs. Families are often very resilient and respond with strength and determination. They don't just survive the challenge, but actually thrive. A review of studies on family adjustment by Hastings and Taunt found that parents often have very positive attitudes about their child and the new situation they were facing. Parents reported that they derived pleasure from parenting their child and saw their child with special needs as a great source of joy. Learning to help their child gave them a sense of accomplishment and purpose in life. Parents sometimes reported that their marriage was strengthened. Finally, they said that having a child with special needs has led to a deeper awareness of spirituality and greater perspective on what is important in life. 
We hope that some of the suggestions in this book will promote resilience in you and your family. To conclude this section, let's review the suggestions for taking care of your emotional health. These suggestions are based on studies of parents of children with special needs who have developed effective strategies for coping with stress and have continued to thrive and experience happiness. Identify a spe specific goal or challenge and start working to achieve it. Research has shown that addressing stress by defining specific challenges and developing a plan for addressing these challenges helps reduce and create a sense of confidence and self-esteem. The goal could be as simple as spending 10 minutes of interactive time with each person in your family most days, or getting your child into an intervention program in the next 12 weeks, or finding a babysitter who can give you a night out once or twice a month. Take control. Studies have shown that stress results when you feel your life is unpredictable. You may feel that you have no control over your life right now, that everything depends on someone else, but that's not true. Recognize that you have some control over your life right now, Figuring out what you have control over, setting goals in those areas, and acting on them will not only solve your problems, but will also prevent you from feeling powerless. What if you make a mistake? It's not the end of the world. You can make a different decision. Think it through, look at the results, get some advice from people you trust, and if you made a mistake, then undo it and make a different decision. Mistakes are fixable. Action feels much better than doing nothing, and action leads to outcomes. Take a break. You may feel that you must spend every waking minute focused on your child and others in the family, but taking a moment to focus solely on yourself will help recharge your energy and help you keep perspective. Even if only for a short period, take time to do the things that give you pleasure and are restorative with, will reap benefits not only for your emotional health, but for that of others in your family as well. Share caregiving responsibilities with others. Find others who can help with these responsibilities, whether these persons are family members, daycare providers, other parents, or friends. Studies have shown that parents whose children participated in a day program that the parents trusted and had confidence in felt happier and were less stressed. Reach out to others. As we have discussed earlier in this chapter, establishing a reliable, loving, accepting group of people who care about you and are willing to listen and offer support is a key to maintaining emotional health. Research has shown that forming relationships with other parents who are experiencing similar stressful situations improves the emotional health of those parents. Pat yourself on the back frequently. Take a moment now and then to think about all you are accomplishing and give yourself some positive feedback. Pride yourself on reading this book, seeking an evaluation for your child, balancing the needs of your family, and so much more you are doing. You will learn about inner strengths that you and your partner have that you have never seen before. You will experience joys that you never would have shared. You are on a different road from the one you expected, but it is taking you to new opportunities for learning, sharing, and building relationships. Jot down some of the things you are learning from time to time to see where you have come and how you have grown in the face of stress. Of course, you will need some new skills to build your sense of control and competence in your new role as a parent of a young child with ASD. We have written this book to provide you with skills that should help you in your new role. We hope the strategies you'll learn in chapters 4 through 13 of this book will help you see what a difference you can make to your child with autism by building on the ways you already interact with your child during your typical routines without having to add hours of work for yourself. Combining this with the experience-backed 
advice of the professionals who help you with your child's intervention program will give you the skills and confidence you need for the challenges of your daily life.